0: Grab your Bibles, grab your Bibles, and turn with me to 1 Kings chapter number 18. Remain standing for just a moment while the choir finds their place. 1 Kings chapter number 18. Uh, I know if you picked up an outline, it looks like there's a whole lot of outline for a whole little time. And I I understand that, but uh, the first three points are going to be kind of, we're just going to kind of breeze through them and hunker down a little bit in the last point. Uh, They're more of an intro to help you appreciate the Lord. Say amen. Uh, I I have to admit, I have to admit, I have, uh, uh, I have, I went back and I I listened to a couple sermons that I preached on Elijah and I got to, I got to admit, I was a little rough on him Uh, and, and just going through life experiences, you, you look at things a little differently how many of y'all know when you're young, you say dumb things? <laughs> well, I was I was just looking at that, and uh, and and just a few things I want to share with you today. First uh, Kings chapter nineteen. Uh, we're looking at the the greatest prophet of the Old Testament, probably probably of all. Maybe maybe not next to John Baptist. Jesus said there was no greater man born of woman than John Baptist, but. John Baptist came in the spirit of Elijah, and and Elijah was just a bad man. He was just an unbelievable prophet, but he had some ups and he had some downs. And uh, and I want to talk about the down, the down. Uh, uh, I I was looking through this, and if you see the title, uh, James tells us that he was a man of like passions as we are. And what, what, what I want you to see is no matter how great a man he was uh, and how high we lift him up, sometimes we look at Bible characters and they're larger than life and they look like, you know, he was only human. He was only human. And so I want to I wanna read 1 Kings chapter uh, chapter number 19. Did I say 18? I did? Y'all should have known it was 19. <clears throat> We're going to cover all of them, but anyway, we'll start at 19. Verse Verse number one. And Ahab told Jezebel all that Elijah had done, and withal how he had slain all the prophets with the sword. Then Jezebel sent a messenger unto Elijah, saying, So let the gods do to me, and more also, if I make not thy life, as the life of one of them by tomorrow about this time. He's talk, she's talking about... All of the prophets of Baal that Elijah had killed, executed because of their idolatry. Jezebel said, I'm going to do you the same way. And when he saw that, Elijah, when he saw that, he arose and went for his life. And he came to Beersheba, which is about a hundred miles away, which belongeth to Judah and left his servant there now he's isolated he's alone but he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness which is about 20 to 25 miles and he sat down under a juniper tree and he requested for himself that he might die and he said it is enough now the way we'd say that is i've had enough I've had enough. I'm done. I can't take no more. How many of y'all have ever been there? Let's, let's, let's talk about that a little bit today. What do you say? Let's pray. Lord Jesus, you know, who's in this building and you know what we need. And Lord, I believe that I've got what you've given me to share And Lord, I need your touch right now. I need your anointing. I pray that you'll fill me with your Holy Spirit. Don't let me say anything I'm not supposed to. Lord, don't let me forget anything I need to. I pray that you will encourage your people. Lord, I know there's a ton of people in this room that's just been going through it. And they've been in the fire. And they've been facing troubles and trials and... Lord, they've came to places in their life when they just said, I've had enough. And God, I pray that you, you'll just move today. Help us. Encourage us, Lord, I pray. And God will thank you for all that you do. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people say it. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. You may be seated. Elijah, the greatest prophet of the Old Testament. He got to a place in his life where he said, I can't take it anymore. I've had enough. I've had enough. Uh, I told you earlier that I preached on this and and, and really uh, was kind of hard on Elijah. Thinking how could Elijah who calls fire down from heaven, I mean this unbelievable prophet of God, this man of God who who done s- just such an incredible ministry there at Mount Carmel and, and, and really brought revival to the people. Uh, how in the world could he let this one crazy woman run him off and cause him to get to a place? And you know, I, I went back this week. I went back. I, God just kept bringing me back to this chapter, bringing me back to this this particular story. And so I went back. I went back and started in chapter 17, and this is the beginning. This is when we first hear about Elijah. Chapter 17, 18, and 19. I would encourage you to go and and, and just read slowly through uh, those three chapters, and, and you'll you'll kind of get a different picture. Of the prophet Elijah Elijah steps on the scene and if you we will just go through this this is the intro okay so point number one is the history Elijah's history we start in chapter 17 and we we see him come on the scene God leads him to uh, uh, look Ahab in the face and say, it is not going to rain till I say so. Elijah has a, 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 a goal, he has a desire in his heart to turn the nation of Israel who had backslidden on God Jehovah and they had, been, they had been following the prophets of Baal by the leadership of Ahab and Jezebel and he was a man of God who wanted to turn the hearts back to God. He wanted revival. He wanted, listen, a change. He wanted to restore the nation of Israel to a right relationship with God. And so he he commands and he he says, it's not going to rain. God leads him immediately. God tells him, I want you to go by the brook Cherith and I want to hide you there. And most of you know the story, and, and I'll be brief with it. Uh, he goes there, and, and God feeds him with ravens. Ravens bring up bread and meat once or twice a day, and, and so he has to stay there. And so the first thing I see in this deal is he's got a desire to do something great, and now he's in the middle of nowhere, and the only thing he has to talk to is the ravens that bring his food. And so, the first thing that stood out to me the, 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 this time when I read this story is how lonely he must have felt. The loneliness that he experienced, the loneliness that he went through. And if you know anything about ministry, sometimes ministry can be the loneliest place in the world. You can be surrounded by hundreds of even thousands of people and still feel alone. Listen, there's going to be times that life will lead you to a place where you feel lonely. You feel like you're the only one in the world and there's no one there. And then after the brook dries up, and by the way, he's got to sit there and watch that brook dry up and thinking, what in the world am I going to do? In just a little while, there's not going to be any water. Well, God leads him to a widow's house. And y'all know the story, gets to the widow and says, I want you to bake me a cake. And, and the widow says, well, I don't know what to tell you. All I've got is enough for one, for uh, uh, me and my son. We're going to eat this and we're going to die. Because you got to understand, they've been in three years of famine, three years of no rain. There's a great famine, no food. And, and so she, she says, we're just going to eat this and we're going to die. I don't have enough for me and you both. He said, well, i tell you what, you make mine first. And everything's going to be all right. Well, y'all know the story. She made his first. He ate it. And her, her meal barrel never went out. In other words, she was fed all the way to the end of the famine. Are y'all with me? Man, what a great up. Amen. What a great miracle. What an what a awesome thing. But watch what happens. The boy gets sick. The widow's son gets sick and dies. And guess what she does? She kind of blames Elijah. Look what it says. Look what it says. In verse 1 Kings 17, it says, And it came to pass after these things that the son of the woman, the mistress of the house, fell sick, and his sickness was so sore that there was no breath left in him. And she said unto Elijah, What have I to do with thee, O thou man of God? What am I going to do with you? Art thou come unto me to call my sin to remembrance and to slay my son? What? What? It's amazing how short memories people have. If it hadn't have been for Elijah, they'd have been dead a long time ago. But now he's facing unfair treatment. If it wasn't for the hand of Elijah, if it wasn't for the ministry of Elijah, she would have already been dead and her son. But because of her pain, she lashes out against Elijah. Now I know, I know everybody thinks ministers are bulletproof and we don't feel anything, but that hurts. When you walk with people in their pain and walk with people in their difficulty and, 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 and do everything you can to minister to them in their deepest need, and the first thing that happens, they turn against you. Well, this is Elijah. First he's dealing with loneliness, now he's dealing with unfair treatment. The ones who he has ministered to and the ones he blessed the most are now lashing out at him. Well now it's time, it's time to show himself, it's time to step forward into the limelight and, and confront Ahab the king. And so as we continue on we find he goes and he confronts Ahab after this famine. He's done told him because of their wickedness, because of their sin, because of their idolatry. This famine has taken place. Well, when Ahab gets there, watch this, watch what Ahab does. Ahab, this wicked king, he looks at the man of God and says this. He says in first Kings 18, 17, and it came to pass when Ahab saw Elijah, that Ahab said unto him, art thou he that troubleth Israel? Are you the one, are you the one that's caused all this trouble? False accusations, false accusations. Elijah's not the one that's caused all the trouble. Elijah's the one trying to fix all the trouble. Elijah's the one who's trying to restore the order and restore a right relationship with God. But guess what? He gets the blame for the problem. How many of y'all have ever been falsely accused? Don't feel too good, does it? So here we go. Now see, see, we don't talk about all these things. We like to talk about the powerful Elijah who confronts the king to his face. We like to talk about the Elijah who has a miracle of bread and, and flesh brought to him by the brook and the Elijah who brings a miracle to a widow and saves her and her son's life. And by the way, he brought he brought the, the kid back from the dead. Let me just throw that in there. And now he's being falsely accused for all the problems of Israel by the one who actually caused the problems. Isn't that ironic? And then and then we see a group of people. He calls a contest. He calls a contest and he says, Get 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 your prophets. Get all those prophets of Baal. Four hundred fifty prophets of Baal, four hundred prophets of the grove. Go to Mount Carmel. And we're gonna have a contest. We're gonna see who really is God. Y'all, y'all know the story. I, I'm, I'm breezing through this because I'm taking for granted that you know the story. And they have the, the sacrifice and, and, the, and the prophets of Baal are a failure. They call and call and call and call. Nothing happens. And then, and then Elijah steps forward and he says this, if Baal be God, then follow him. But if God be God, you need to follow him. Watch what happens. He challenges the people. You need to step up and do the right thing. 1 Corinthians 18, 21. And Elijah came unto all the people and said, How long halt ye between two opinions? Make up your mind. If the Lord be God, then follow him. But if Baal, then follow him. Now read this with me. And the people... People didn't say a word. Preacher, what are you saying? He had to deal with some apathetic people. Listen, he's doing everything he can to restore the nation of Israel. He's doing everything he can to bring them back into a right relationship with God. And they sit there and stare at him like he's a knot on the log. Apathetic people. I'm going to tell you this. It's hard. It's hard to, to keep your zeal up when, when you feel like you're the only one guiding him. Do I have a witness right there? Apathetic people. And then, worst of all, this is this is the worst of all. He calls fire down. Y'all know the story. They execute all of the false prophets, which is biblical, by the way. It was what God told them to do. Then he prays, he prays, and rain comes. I'm talking about a, a gully washer. I'm talking about a toe choker. Are y'all with me? I mean, the God opens the heavens and pours out a blessing, this, this rain that they have desperately needed. And then, and then, to, to, to top it all off, the kings in the east in that day, it was the custom to have runners out in front of them that would be kind of announcing his arrival. They were the servants leading in honor of the king. And guess what Elijah did? Elijah, he would, he acted as a runner, a servant, a slave. He ran in front and he was for the king. He said, king, you can go eat now. You can go drink now. We have, we have brought revival everything's gonna be good now. God is blessing us with rain. The nation has changed. Let's go. And he's so excited. He's so excited because of the answer of prayer. He's so excited because of the blessings of rain. And he runs almost 25 miles supernaturally. He runs in front of the chariot to show Ahab, I am for you. I am loyal to you. I am your servant. I am here to bless you. And when he gets to the palace in Jezreel, Jezreel was the winter home of Ahab and Jezebel. And watch what he does. Slimy piece of garbage. The Bible says in chapter 19, he told Jezebel, watch now, what Elijah did. Who sent the fire? Who sent the rain? But what did he do? What what did did Ahab do? Let me tell you what Elijah done. He killed your men. What a slimy king. And Jezebel, I tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to make sure the same thing happens to him by this time tomorrow. She sends word. She sends word to, to, to Elijah. It's a death threat. Now watch this. This is what I've seen. Brother Doug, this is what I've seen that I've never seen. In the very beginning of this whole deal, in chapter number 17, his heart's desire was the restoration and the reformation of the nation of Israel that God would change his people, God would send revival, God would change a nation, God would restore a nation, and now he is sitting on the mountain, seeing the fire, seeing the people call out that God, he is God, he is God, Jehovah is God. He said, we have it. We have finally got revival. This nation is going to be different. And when he gets to the palace, he realizes it's still the same. Preacher, what are you saying? He's dealt with loneliness. He's dealt with unfair treatment. He's dealt with false accusations. He's dealt with apathetic people. Now he's dealing with great disappointment. The one thing he sought after, the one thing he... Wanted to see more than anything. And he thought he had it. He thought there was going to be revival. But when he got to the palace he realized. I'm going to tell you what. There ain't nothing more discouraging to a preacher than coming to the point you realize you can't fix everybody. You just can't. We see his history. Then secondly I want you to write this down. We see his hurt. hurt. We see his hurt. Man, he's feeling it. He's feeling it. You got to understand. He's only human. Verse 19 or chapter 19 verse 3. And when he saw that. He saw that. The palace was going to be the same. He saw that. There was not going to be a great change when he saw what he saw. The Bible says that he arose and say it with me. And he, everybody say he. Now he's dealing with fear. Write that down. All of these things build up. If it was only loneliness, you could you could deal with that. You could get a dog. If it was only unfair treatment, you could say people are people. If it was just only false accusations, you could say, you know, I know the truth. And real people that know me know the truth. If it was just apathetic people. But when they just all pile up. And now. My life is being threatened and he's dealing with fear. I'm not sure there's a more powerful emotion than fear. He's afraid. Then the Bible says that he, he ran to Jezreel, which is about 30 miles. He goes to Beersheba, which is about 100 miles. He leaves his servant there. And by the way, when you get discouraged, when you get depressed, it's no time to be alone. That's what you want to do. That's what you feel like doing. You don't want to be around anybody, do you don't want to talk to anybody? You don't want to you just want to be by yourself. You want to isolate yourself and that's not a good idea. He leaves his servant there, goes another day's journey into the wilderness which is about 120 miles. So he goes he goes about 25 miles to 100 miles to another 20 miles. He's dealing with great fatigue. So he's dealing with fear, he's dealing with fatigue. Vince Lombardi says that fatigue will make a coward out of us all. When you get tired, you do things you normally wouldn't do. When you're you're exhausted, you you, you feel things you normally don't feel. You, you, You experience things you normally don't experience when you're exhausted. Last night, we were keeping our our grand young and little Pete. Little Pete was running around happy as can be, just happy as can be. And the later on it got, he just kept getting fussy and fussy. And And my wife picked him up and he just pitched a little fit. She says, oh, you're so tired. She don't ever say that to me. I pitch my fit and she tells me to get over it. I don't know what to... Anybody know what I'm talking about? You're just tired. Physically exhausted. It's amazing to me. We have so many time-saving devices. We got a machine on our counter that you can take a, I'm talking about rock solid, frozen, slam through steak and put it in there. In nine minutes, you can put some sauce on it. But yet we're exhausted. We got all of the things that they never had and we are generations of people who are exhausted because of our schedules and our agendas. Then he says this, look in verse four. But he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness and came under and sat under a juniper tree and he requested for himself that he might die. I just don't even want to live anymore. And he said, it is enough now, O Lord, take away my life. Watch this now. For I am not better than my father. I'm no better than them. He's dealing with feelings of failure. So now because of everything he's going through, he's, he's, he's dealing with fear. He's frustrated because he's so fatigued and he's tired. And now he's dealing with feelings of failure. I think that's the hardest thing for a minister is is, 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 you feel like you failed when, when you, you do everything you can and you preach everything as hard as you can and people still do what they're going to do. That's hard. You parents in here, you, 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 you do everything you do and you, 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 you give everything you can. And when you're kids and you try to steer them in the right way and you try to warn them and you try to do all of these things and, 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 and they still make the same mistakes we made. Am I preaching to anybody today? You feel like, what did I do? What should I have done? He said, I'm no better than my fathers. I thought I was going to be able to make a difference. I thought I was going to be able to make a change. I thought I was going to be able to do what they were not able to do. I'm no better than them. He felt like a failure. Now, now that's his hurt. That's what he's feeling. That's his emotions. Now I want you to see number three is hang up. Sooner or later, this message is going to get better. Just hang in there. (laughs) His hang up. What did those emotions cause? What did those feelings do to him? What what did those feelings and those emotions and, and all of those things that he's experiencing, all of those things that he's dealing with? Don't you love when people say, oh, don't worry about it. Why didn't I think of that? Where's that button? Hello? Watch this, watch this. We see, we see his hang up. First, his passion is obliterated. He said, I don't even wanna live anymore. There was a time that he was passionate. He said, I was very zealous for the Lord. Man, I, he was on fire. He was, he was bold. He, he, he had, he had courage and he would stand in the face of a wicked king and point his finger at him and tell him he's wicked and tell him what's going on. He calls fire down from heaven. He faces 450 prophets of Baal and 400 prophets of the Grove and listen a one man show and dared them all. He was, he was bold. And now he says, I just don't, I just don't even care. I don't even care what's the use what's the point what's the point little Johnny was in the in the classroom and the, and the teacher was teaching little Johnny in the whole class about how hard a work an ant works and how he works and works and works and he stores and stores and stores and 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 and, and he's she's trying to Help them and encourage them about the the, the work ethic and, 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 and what it is to plan and what it is to store and and, and get ready and all this and, and 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 she is saying he works and works and works and works and works and does all these things and then what happens little Johnny little Johnny says and then someone steps on him anybody know what I'm saying what's the point. What's the point if we give out and give out and give out and give out for what? For what? What's the point of all the time in the wilderness? What's the point of all the times of loneliness? What's the point of all the hard prayers and all the stuff? What's the point of calling fire down from heaven if nothing's going to change? I don't even want to live. You see, his passion is obliterated. Then, Then B, his perception is distorted. His his perception, how he sees things. Be careful when you get exhausted, because everything will seem negative. Everything will seem negative. You'll win the lottery. I got to pay taxes. Hello. Everything will seem negative. Every word said will seem negative. Everything done will seem negative. You won't be able to see anything positive in life. You won't be able to see. Everything will seem like it's against you. And it's perception. It's perception. Say, so where are you getting at? He, he says this. He tells the Lord. The Lord says, what are you doing here? He said, well, I tell you what. All the people are wicked. They've all forsaken your covenant. They've all done this. And they, they, and he's using the word they, 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 they. They, they have killed all the prophets. I'm the only one left. And they, they, right? They want my life too. No, they don't. He just left them. They were praising the, 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 the glories of Jehovah on Mount Carmel. The only one that threatened him was Jezebel. But everything was negative. Because your perception gets distorted. What happens is this. This is what happens is, is you see, you see, you don't see, you don't see the word of God, you see the lonely wilderness. You don't see the ravens bringing food in a supernatural way, you see the lonely times. You don't see the, 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 the meal that never runs dry, you don't see the supernatural provision of God. All you see is the, the false treatment and the unfair treatment of the widow blaming you for the death of her son. You don't see fire from heaven. All you see is silent people who won't stand for God. You don't see the people rejoicing and the people claiming that Jehovah is God. You don't see the revival on the mountain. You see the threat at the palace. And when you're exhausted, your, your perception, the way you see things, That's why you gotta be very careful when you get discouraged and when you get tired and when you get exhausted and when you get down. Don't make any major decisions in those times because you're not seeing right. There's so many people divorced today because they made major decisions when they were exhausted. Your perceptions get distorted. And then watch this. Not only only is your passion gone, your perceptions distorted. Now your problems are Exaggerated. Man, this is so true. What should be a three is a seven. Man, y'all, y'all must be some holy people. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? You look down and you're about out of gas, but it's the, it's the end of the world. Everything is compounded. You go into a restaurant and your favorite—they're out. You say that's silly, not when not when you're depressed, not when you're exhausted. I, I hope somebody knows what I'm talking about. And then we take it out on the people closest to us. They do, a, they do a number three offense and we give them a number eight response. <laughs> preach it, preacher. Just preach right there. Hang on right there. I've been serving you. I've been very zealous for the Lord. Boy, he's just getting in God's face. Look what I got out of it. What good did it do for me to be zealous for the Lord? Here I am exhausted, sitting under a juniper tree. His his problems are exaggerated. That's why you never make major decisions when you're tired. Are y'all with me? Say amen. Amen. Now, enough of the negative. What's what's God do about it? I got 10 minutes to change your life. Can anybody relate? Can anybody relate to this first half of this sermon? This man is just, he's done. He's done. Now watch God's response. This is so good. This is so good. First of all, we talked about his hurt, his history, his hangups. Now look at Elijah's help. The first thing you need to understand when you're ready to throw God under the bus, we see God's awareness. God's awareness. The Bible says. Now, where was he supposed to be? He's supposed to be up there in Samaria, straightening straightening the people out. He's supposed to be up there in Jezreel. That's where God called him to be. But he he is a 100 miles, actually about 120 miles south of where he's supposed to be. But guess who knew he was there? That's right. Watch this. And as he lay and slept under a juniper tree, Behold, then an angel touched him and said unto him, arise and eat. And he looked and behold, there was a cake baking on the coals and a cruse of water at his head. And he did eat and drink and laid him down again. And the angel of the Listen, that is a reference to Jesus appearing in the Old Testament. It's called a Christophany. There were times that Jesus showed up in the Old Testament in a form. As an angel or as in the burning bush with Moses, if you go read that, Jesus came to his need. First of all, write this down. First of all, I want you to see God's awareness. God's awareness. He knows where you're at. He knows your fear. He knows your fatigue. He knows your frustration. He knows what you're feeling. He knows you're feeling lonely. He knows that you're hurting. He knows that you feel betrayed. He knows that you feel like you've been done wrong. He knows. He knows. Look what it says. Psalms 103, 13, like as a father pitieth his children, so the Lord pitieth them that fear him. For he knoweth our frame, he remembereth that we are dust. Preacher, what are you saying? Even when we don't, he knows we're only human When we think we're Superman, when we think we're unbreakable, when we think we're bulletproof and we can just go, 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 go. go, And we, we just, and then when we crash, we think, oh, I'm a failure. And God says, no, you're just dust. You're just human. God's aware. God understands. God's not offended. God is not insecure God is not threatened by our lack of understanding or our lack of faith in him or our lack of trust in him. God, listen, he is aware. Then, then B, write this down. We see God's awareness. Don't you see God's attendance. He just comes to him. And by the way, by the way, I love this. Nowhere do you see where Elijah prayed for him to come. Nowhere did you see where Elijah prayed for help. What did he do? He just showed up. He just showed up. Because that's exactly what Elijah needed. Are y'all with me? Preacher, what what are you saying? I'm saying if you find yourself under a juniper tree, if you find yourself exhausted and ready to quit and you're done and you are through and you can't take no more, he will show up. He will show up. C. What do we see? A. Say it with me quick, quick, quick. A. We see God's awareness. How many of y'all are glad He's aware of your situation? Number two, or B. We see God's attendance. How many of you are glad that God will show up just when you need it? Then C. Write this down. I want you to see God's allowance. God's allowance. The Bible says, and he looked and behold, there was a cake baking on the coals and a cruise of water at his head and he did eat and drink and laid him down again. The angel woke him up. He's exhausted, hasn't had any food, lost his appetite and God provides a meal. God provides a cake. God provides water for him and then just lets him sleep. Just lets him sleep. Now let me, let me tell you something. And, and we're almost done. We're almost done. Everybody look at me. Because this is not going to be. This is not. For some of you this is going to be difficult. Sometimes the most spiritual thing you can do is take a nap. I know that sounds crazy. And some of y'all are thrilled about that. <laughs> but how many of y'all remember in the gospels where. Jesus saw his disciples were serving and working so hard that they didn't even have time to stop and eat. And he says, okay, boys, time to take a break. We've got to get on that ship. We need to go to a desert place. You need to come apart and rest. And sometimes the most spiritual thing you can do is rest. And that's hard because then you feel guilty. But if you, listen, you need to understand that God prescribed rest. God prescribed built this earth, created everything there is. And on the seventh day, he rested, not because he was tired, but because he wanted to give you an example of needing rest. And sometimes the best thing you can do, and by the way, he ministered. Did y'all notice that he ministered to his physical need before he addressed his spiritual need? Preacher, what are you saying? I'm telling you right now, some of y'all need to clock out, turn it off, take it off your schedule, delete it out of your schedule, and take a break and rest. Your problem is not God. Your problem is not issues that you think. Some of your problems are exaggerated because you're just too stinking tired. And you need to take a break. Well, I've got to have little Johnny here. I've got to have little Johnny there. I've got to. Well, quit signing little Johnny up for everything. Buy him a popsicle and say, Suck it up. The last time I checked, you got the keys to the car. Say, Amen. Amen. Sorry that slipped out. (laughs) Am I right, though? Just rest. I know it's hard. I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not preaching at you. Little do you know, I'm preaching at me. We need to be just like an old mule, just lay down. You know, you could take a third-bred horse and just run him into the ground. He'll, he just won't even quit till he dies. Not a mule. When a mule's done, he's he going to sit down. How many of y'all can join me and be a mule for Jesus? We're just going to sit down. He allowed him to rest. He gave him something to eat and let him sleep. Before he preached at him, before he confronted him, he just let him sleep. He gave him some rest. Listen, then then lastly, his assistance. God's awareness, God's attendance, God's allowance, and then God's assistance. He gave him the bread, he gave him the water, and 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 there's some more to this, brother Doug, I ain't dug all this out yet. But there there is there is something about those those 40 days and 40 nights in the wilderness because he went from that meal right there all the way to Mount Sinai. By the way, that's the mountain he went to. That's the name of it, but he went to the same place Moses got the law to the cave. And 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 it took him Almost more than twice as long to get there. So God had him out there. In other words, he spent an extended amount of time with God. Even before God confronted him in the, in the, in the cave. And he said, son, what are you doing here? And then he brings that up again. I've been so jealous for the Lord. and Then people are so crooked and they're trying to seek my life. And so he goes through that spill again. And God shows him his power. Y'all, y'all, y'all know it. The wind, the fire, the earthquake, but then the still, small voice. You see, he had to change his perception. You see, Elijah thought that God would always work by fire. The, 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 the big, magnificent response from heaven. And when he got to Jezreel, to, to the palace, God didn't do at Jezreel what he did on Mount Carmel. You know, and sometimes we need to understand God don't operate the same all the time, but he still is God. And he is saying this, Elijah, you don't think nothing's happening because you can't see it. But what little do you know, it's not always going to be a Mount Carmel experience. Sometimes I'm working behind the scenes in a silent way that you just don't understand. And while he's feeling like a failure, God's moving in the background. You see, we can't always see what God's doing in our life and the lives of others. We just got to trust that he's God and he knows what he's doing. And he said, oh, by the way, you're not the only one. I have reserved several. Listen, look what he says. Look what he says. After the confrontation Oh, where is that? Here we go. Verse 14. I have been very jealous for the Lord God of hosts because the children of Israel have forsaken thy covenant, thrown down thine altar, slain thy prophets with a sword. I, even I only am left and they seek my life to take it away. He tells him to go and anoint three different people. And, and, uh, uh, he, he says in verse number 15, and the Lord said, go return on thy way to the wilderness of Damascus. And when thou comest, anoint Hazael to be king over Syria. Jehu, the son of Nimshai, thou shalt anoint to be king over Israel. Elisha, the son of Shaphat of Abel. Abel, Meholah, thou shalt anoint to be a prophet in thy room. And it says in verse 18, yet have I left me 7,000 in Israel, all the knees which have not bowed unto Baal, and every mouth which hath not kissed him. what did he do? He reminded him, you're not the only one, son. He had to fix his perception. But ladies and gentlemen, I want to tell you this. When you get tired, you're going to feel like you're the only one. Martha, y'all know Martha and Mary. Preacher, what what do I need to do? Maybe you need to rest. Maybe you need some extended time with God in the cave and let him restore a right perception of The way things are. Maybe you just need. Some time alone. Maybe you just need. Him. Him. And all of God's people say it.